Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome into the hard count. Where are the upsets this week? It's not a matter of if, it's more a matter of who, where, and when. They're going to happen. We just got to make sure we're on the ball for when and where they could potentially happen. Welcome into the hard count. Like I just said a second ago, this is the People's College Football Show. Everything that you know and that you love about this beautiful sport, it happens here every single day. All right, a lot of y'all are new as we get rolling into college football season. Welcome. I want to make sure you know a couple of things. One, we love college football here just as much as you do. There's a lot of shows out there, and they're phenomenal, and they're sort of a means to an end to pay the bills, like like that Luke Combs song. If we weren't doing this, we'd be doing this somewhere else in a makeshift lobby in whatever state you want to talk about. We would be there. We'd be doing this exact same show. We're fortunate enough to do it for a living. We also love y'all. We, we love that you are a part of this community because that's what makes college football different than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Those sports are phenomenal and we appreciate them. There's a certain communal aspect, though, to what this game is. And that's the aspect that we try and incorporate into this show as much as possible. We're three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're glad to have you here. Whatever you got going on, push it to the side. It's just college football now for the next hour or so. And we got a lot to jump into. Like I was talking about, Upsets, where are they happening at? We need to kind of unpack where and when and how they could be happening. I got a couple of games here that we're not predicting the upsets. Rather, we're going to give you a percentage chance that the upset ends up happening, if you catch my drift there. Also, a lot of rankings out right now. You see a lot of different polls and a lot of different outlets putting out their top 10, their top 25. We're going to give you our top 10. And I was thinking about what to call that poll as I was laying in bed last night. And I was like, let's just call it the nothing but ball poll. Because a lot of these polls and rankings you see, no disrespect to them, but I don't know that the individuals that put those polls together are watching college football like you and I are. Like, we understand here, college football, it's like 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. Like, that's the kind of Saturday that we're keeping here. We're watching every game, and that's how we're putting together our polls. So, to put it simply, men lie, women lie, box scores lie, ball don't lie. So, that's how we're putting together our top 10 rankings. That is not a projection. That is what they are right now. And it's subject to change, and we're going to keep an eye on that as we get on throughout the college football season. Don't know if y'all saw Ohio State sort of named a starting quarterback. It's going to be Kyle McCord for game one. Devin Brown's also going to play. So what can we sort of infer from what things look like right now in Columbus? I don't think it's a matter of them having their starter for the rest of the season. Now, Kyle McCord could very well do that, but there's some things we need to unpack within that Ohio State quarterback room. And then we got the GOAT joining the show here, y'all, in just a little bit. Andy Staples, who is now thankfully with On3, and he has his own podcast, Andy Staples On3. Go and check that out on this very YouTube channel. He also has a podcast, and so you know wherever you get your podcast, you can find him there. We talked college football misconceptions. It's narrative season around college football. What are the things that we need to make sure we have out in the open that we get ahead of that maybe are a little bit untrue as we roll into the season here? Andy has a couple of those as well as myself, and we'll break those down. It's Wednesday. 
August 30th, 2023, the last one in history. Let's make it a great one. And no better way to do that than jumping right into upset alert. Upset alert might even be the wrong way to say it, but what are some upsets that we need to track? Because it's not a matter of if, it's more a matter of where, when, and who. Like I said at the top of this show. And I think the best place to start is this coming Friday. We got Miami of Ohio at Miami, Florida. And this game has a little bit of juice to it because it's on a Friday. And we all understand here in the college football world, if you're playing on a weekday, if you're playing on any game but Saturday, things can get a little bit strange. So we got a freaky Friday lined up for us here. Also, Miami last year, I think it's a different team than what we saw last year, but they also lost to a team they weren't supposed to lose to in Middle Tennessee. They lost pretty badly. So there's some interesting things going into this one. Miami favored by 17. Miami, Florida, that is, favored by 17. And during the week, a media member of Miami, Ohio, this is going to get confusing, asked the quarterback for Miami of Ohio, Brett Gabbert, younger brother of Blaine Gabbert, so where's the real Miami at? Clearly setting him up. Clearly just putting it on the tee for him to knock it out of the park. He says, Oxford, Ohio. And they said, why? Because y'all been around longer? Or he just kind of shook his head and said, nope, we're going to show them September 1st. And so, I mean, hey, th this has all the makings of a great upset should it happen. However, I think the makeover for Miami and what they're going to look like compared to last year. Now, you remember, two new coordinators. The offense, I think, will be revitalized. I think they're going to protect Tyler Van Dyke way better than they did a season ago. Even with that being said, there is just a slight feeling of like, hmm, you wonder how far along Miami is compared to last year. I think they're much better, but you still have to see it to believe it. The percent chance of this upset happening, I think, is right around 20%. Again, we're not predicting any of these upsets. However, if they happen, we will probably come back to this and say, hey, see, we said there was a chance. So 20% chance for Miami of Ohio to upset Miami, Florida in the Miami Bowl on Friday. Now, here's one that a lot of people are curious to watch. Colorado going to TCU. This is the first time we get to see Coach Prime in action as the head coach of Colorado. And remember now, Coach Prime, he's got some roots in Texas. He was in Texas prior to going to Jackson State. And he also, if you're you know reading these headlines, was thrown into the mix when that TCU job became available. His name was at least floated around there. So the interesting thing with this, TCU, 20 and a half point favorite at home. Played for a national title last year. A lot of those pieces are gone. But we really have no gauge for what Colorado is going to be. And I don't say that to say that we have no idea what these players are going to play like. I mean, we have no reference point throughout history of a team totally overhauling their roster from one season to the next. You can talk about Colorado being 1-11 last year, and I don't think that's unfair. But also, that team that was 1-11 last year, that staff and the overwhelming majority of that roster is no longer in Boulder, Colorado. So you wonder, okay, how quickly do these pieces mesh? There's also the I'm him factor with Colorado just a little bit. And the I'm him factor can best be, def can best be uh, defined as you roll the ball out on Saturday, and the other team may have a better roster, may have a better game plan, but there's one or two players for the opposing team that just that day decides that they are, in fact, him, take over the game, and that's the differentiator. That's the ultimate trump card. And the I'm him factor for Colorado is Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. We're not predicting Colorado to win this game. In fact, I think they lose this game. But at the exact same time, you're curious about what this new TCU offense will look like. Remember, Garrett Riley now gone to Clemson. It's going to be Kendall Bryles calling the offense for TCU. 
Chandler Morris is going to be the starting quarterback. Max Duggan obviously was a Heisman finalist last year. But here's the interesting thing to remember. Max Duggan was not listed as a starting quarterback going into the season last year. It was Chandler Morris. Then Chandler Morris got dinged up. Max Duggan gets the nod and never really looks back. So I think TCU still wins this game. They made some great ads through the portal. I'm going to go ahead and give Colorado a 24% chance to pull off the upset. So a little bit higher than the Miami of Ohio chances to upset Miami of Florida. But uh, no, I think there's this is going to be a really fascinating one to watch to see how all those new pieces at Colorado are able to mesh. Now here's another one. This is the largest spread that we're going to talk about. And I even, I even hesitate to talk about this in terms of like it being an upset, but I think we should just as a whole. Ohio State goes to Indiana. So from a macro perspective, you have two Power 5 teams, you have a conference game, and you have a team on the road breaking in a new quarterback. Now, Indiana, they're going to have a new quarterback as well, and they're keeping it very close to the vest. They're not telling anybody. If it's me, I'm playing Taven Jackson who's the transfer from Tennessee, is now at Indiana. He was a top 15 quarterback coming out of high school. Dude can play some ball now. You say, well, if he's so good, why couldn't he start at Tennessee? Well, because he was behind Hennon Hooker. He's now going to probably be behind Aniko Iamaliava at Tennessee, should he have stayed, and behind Joe Milton. Like, the writing was kind of on the wall for him. But just because he couldn't cut it at Tennessee doesn't mean he can't play some ball. He was a four-star kid out of high school. This is a road game for Ohio State. It's not going to be a thing where they just roll the ball out there and it's a, you know, Kent State waiting for them or some Maction team. No disrespect to the Maction. My point being the talent level of Indiana is enough to at least make it a conversation. Now, the spread is 29 and a half favoring Ohio State, but still, we got to at least just, you know, give a gauge for this. The, the way this would happen is the new quarterback, new quarterbacks rather for Ohio State, trot out there and are just a very, very different version of what we thought they would be going into the year. I mean, both five-star guys, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, both going to play. We'll talk about Kyle McCord being the starter in this game a little bit later. There's a degree of variance that we still can't totally account for. Now, how much variance? I think it's pretty slim. And the, I mean, Vegas does too. It's why it's 29 and a half points. At the end of the day, I think Ohio State, even if you have Devin Brown throw three interceptions and Kyle McCord throws one interception or whatever. I mean, however many times they turn it over, the talent defensively for Ohio State, I think just makes this one not even a football game. Wanted to talk about it because of that quarterback variance that Ohio State's going to have and because it is a road game and because it is a conference game. But at the exact same time, I don't think Ohio State drops this one. This is going to be our lowest percent chance of an upset we're talking about. I'm going to give Indiana a 9% chance to pull this one off at home. It is now it is in Bloomington. If you get some life early in the game, maybe you hang around for a little bit, but truthfully, we like Ohio State to win, probably like Ohio State to cover in that one as well. So goes without saying, very, very slim chance. Had to talk about it because of the quarterback situation there. Now, this one is going to be the highest percent chance of an upset, and that is Oregon State with DJU playing quarterback, going to San Jose State. Now, the line on this one is Oregon State favored by 16 and a half. But remember what San Jose State was doing against USC? Remember Chevin Cordero just dropping back and dealing dimes to Nick Nash, the, for the former quarterback at San Jose State, now playing receiver? I mean, they were putting up numbers now. And say what you want about USC's defense, there's still a pretty solid talent level for them. And also, that was on the road. Oregon State is going to San Jose State. 
So Coach Brennan and the boys, they're going to be ready for this one. Oregon State also only returns 52% of the production on that defense from a season ago. So we talk about variance now. There is a high level of variance that could be baked into what Oregon State is defensively. I still think they're going to win this game. I still think they're going to be good. But if the new pieces just are abysmal or if they just have deer in the headlights kind of syndrome early on, just keep an eye on this because Chevin Cordero has played a lot of football now. You're not going to show him too much that he hasn't seen already going into his sixth year right now. Also, DJ Uyunglele, how, how much improved is he as now the new starting quarterback for Oregon State? There was a lot made about the system at Clemson. If DJU goes out there and just slings it, I think you say, yeah, that makes sense. You look at what was at Clemson. They were pretty simplistic offensively and they didn't really put him in position to succeed. But all that's to say, there's some variance baked in here. I love the quarterback for San Jose State, like we've talked about already. I'm going to give San Jose State a 37% chance to pull off this upset. So we're not going to pick them to win, clearly. I'm going to go ahead and pick San Jose State to at least cover that 16.5 number. And I would not be surprised if that number shrunk even more as we got closer and closer to game time. So watch, watch that game. That'll be fun. Don't be surprised if it comes to the third quarter and you're kind of checking scores around the country. You say, wait a second. San Jose State is only down by a touchdown right now against Oregon State. Also, why this game at San Jose State? Probably going to be the trains of thought that people next to you on the couch are, are communicating out loud. Want us to be ahead of this one. Upset alert big time for Oregon State. Now, last one we're going to talk about here, West Virginia at Penn State. I thought this spread would be a little bit higher, to tell you the truth. Penn State is favored by 20 and a half. I thought it would be closer to what we saw with Ohio State getting 29 and a half against Indiana. Maybe not that much, but at least like 25 and a half. Regardless, Drew Aller is the great hope for the good people in State College. Has got that place teeming with optimism and for good reason. Was a five-star recruit. All the tools in the book. But here's my thing. I still need to see it from Drew Aller. I still need to see it. I know he has got all the ability in the world, but to do it in practice and to do it behind closed doors and for me to read on message boards that you're crushing it from Blue White Illustrated, get a membership there if you love Penn State and want to keep up with all things Intel around that program. Do a great job over there. Does Sean Fitz and the boys. I still need to see it in a game. Very, very different. Do it in an 11-on-11 setting in front of 70,000-plus screaming fans and then to do it in practice. All right, so... We'll see how he acclimates because it's not going to be a you know FCS school rolling out there. Penn State doesn't play Cornell. Lucky for them and lucky for Cornell, to be honest with you. I'm curious what they look like as an offensive unit throwing the football with his first start. Now, West Virginia got a couple of quarterbacks, and they're not tipping their hand as to who it's going to be. Neil Brown says he knows who it's going to be, but he's not telling you because he wants to keep the competitive advantage. So good for Neil Brown. It's either going to be Nico Marchial, who's one of the highest rated recruits they've had at West Virginia, or Garrett Green. And the key thing is, if Neil Brown feels good with one of those guys, roll with them, great. The interesting thing here is they're both going to be dual threat-esque kind of quarterbacks. They can both hurt you with their legs. And what do we say around here with quarterbacks that are dual threats? They can break your game plan. You could have the perfect play dialed up. You could have the exact right defense set. But one thing leads to another. You got that blitz teed up. He's got an open shot. Quarterback spins out of it. Brand new play. At that exact moment where the quarterback break contain, the new play is in effect. It doesn't matter what you had dialed up. Now it's okay. Can we improvise and adapt and be on our P's and Q's when that scramble drill goes into place? So 
just keep an eye on that. That could be a factor because if Nico Marchial or if Garrett Grind, or excuse me, Garrett Green gets rolling and they can really hurt you with their legs, this could get interesting. This could get interesting. Now, it's on the road. It's not going to be a kind environment, and I love what Penn State has on the defensive side of the ball as well. James Franklin came on this show and told us he feels great about the talent and the depth there. So I'm just saying it's kind of a curious game because Neil Brown, man, whenever you have those hot seat segments, when you see him on YouTube or whatever, like Neil Brown usually is somewhere around the thumbnail. It's kind of unfortunate, but kind of the reality for West Virginia. But I think it makes them even more dangerous because Andy Staples, he calls Neil Brown Coach YOLO. Like at this point, he's like, listen, house money. I understand the conversation around my job. I'm all in, baby. Let's go. You think I'm scared? I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. I'm down to dial up a flea flicker on second and 10. You, you think I won't? I got nothing to lose. I'm getting fired next week, they're telling me. That's what the, the message boards and the internet's trying to talk about with Neil Brown. You think I care? I'm going down swinging. Nothing more dangerous than a man leading a football team with nothing to lose. Expect them to be aggressive. So my concern in this game for West Virginia, though, is the run defense. They allowed four yards a carry last year. I don't think it's going to be a whole lot better. It's a tall order to try and go up against that offensive line for Penn State. And oh, by the way, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen carrying the mail for you. Even if Drew Aller takes a minute to kind of get his feet set, they're going to be able to run the football, I believe, nearly at will. They're going to win this football game. I think they're going to cover as well as Penn State. But the chance of an upset for West Virginia... I'm going to put right around 12%. Not impossible. It's like a 1 in 10, give or take, if you're the good people in Morgantown. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch, though, and we'll learn a lot about Penn State, at least in the early going. So those are the upsets we are keeping an eye on. We're not predicting. We're not saying these are going to be upsets. We're giving you our percentage chance. If I had to pick one out of this whole slate, Oregon State going to San Jose State is the one to keep an eye on. Man, we're so back. College football is so back. We're talking about upsets in week one. How phenomenal is that? That just makes my heart so happy. Tweeting out really quick for the good people in the Twitterverse what we're talking about next. And that is our top 10 teams in the entire country. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked the video, all that. We appreciate you so much in advance for doing that because we talk only college football year-round right here. A lot of other channels, a lot of other shows, they'll do college football like August to January and they'll kind of go away. We don't do that. We're 365, 24-7, all the time, talking college football. We're glad to have you here. All right? So, like I was saying, there's a lot of different rankings out there, a lot of polls out there. We're all sort of projecting, predicting, and it's about time for talking to sort of finish up right now. I mean, talking season is way behind us, in my humble opinion. But even so... When you look at those top 10 rankings, I have a funny feeling that the people making those rankings, they don't have the same kind of Saturday experience that you and I do. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way at all. I just mean, I know what our Saturdays are like. You probably hit the couch around 9 a.m. Eastern, depending on what you're thinking about with college game day and big noon kickoff. But then you're dialed in till like 1, 2 a.m., we're watching college football all of the time. So to put it simply, we're calling this poll the nothing but ball poll because we're trusting our eyes and the criteria is what we see in front of us. We're not going to try and you know scheme the metrics too much and really read too heavily into the box score. We're going to utilize that as a tool to complement what we're seeing when we're watching football. 
So nothing but ball pull. We're going to give you our top 10 here. And this is not a projection. This is not a prediction. This is a ranking for the way things stand right now. So without further ado, let's get right into it, baby. At number 10, we got the Clemson Tigers. Now, Clemson, to make sure we're clear, they are on big mover watch. Clemson could shoot up this ranking this time next week. They're at Duke to start on a Monday. I think we still have a lot to learn with them. There's a lot made about Cade Klubnick and Garrett Riley. Cade Klubnick is going to be really, really good at Clemson. Okay, so that's, that's true. I think the other thing that can be true is it might take him a second to get rolling because we only have two sample sizes on him. We have the game against North Carolina, which he tore him up. To be real, probably should have torn him up based on what North Carolina has defensively. And then we have the Orange Bowl. Big spot against Tennessee. Had a lot on his plate. We had Will Shipley on this show, the running back for Clemson, and he's like, yeah, we trust him. He just had a lot on his plate that day, and that's not unfair to factor that into the equation. So I think he's going to be great, but we need to still see a little bit more from him before we move Clemson up this list too much more. I love the defense for Clemson. Let me make sure I say that into this mic clearly. I love the linebacking group. I love Jeremiah Trotter. I love Barrett Carter. I love Peter Woods. I love this entire defensive unit. I think they'll be better on, on the back end of things than they were a season ago. But for us, right now, Clemson's at 10. If they beat a team like Duke on the road, expect them to make some moves going forward. Now, at number nine, this is probably where we have the most, I don't know if the most, but we, we differ with the other polls on this one. We have Tennessee as our number nine team in the nothing but ball poll. And the reason why, I know what I saw in that Orange Bowl game from Joe Milton. Do we need a, a, a larger sample size, like I said, with Cade Klubnik? Absolutely. But I have no questions about the tools. I have no questions about the head coach. I have no questions about the system. I'm curious about what that secondary looks like. But if they're even just a touch better, I think Tennessee is going to be a force this year. And I think they should get a little bit more respect than they're getting right now when it comes to them being in that top 10 group. Now they play Virginia in Nashville. So we shouldn't get a tremendous test for the Vols in this first week. But we have them ahead of Clemson. And a lot of other polls have Clemson ahead of Tennessee. And I'm saying, why? We just saw him play in the Orange Bowl. No disrespect to Clemson, but Tennessee handled business in that game. You say, well, yeah, there's some pieces that aren't going to be there for Tennessee that were there last year. I'm like, I know a lot of them didn't play in that bowl game. So we got Tennessee as our number nine team in the nothing but ball poll. And we're going to keep a pulse on this as we keep on rolling. At number eight, we got Penn State. They play West Virginia. They should handle business. I love the young talent at Penn State. Nick Singleton, Catron Allen make up one of the best backfields in the country. Abdul Carter is a heat-seeking missile playing linebacker for them. We had James Franklin on this show, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, and he told us like he hasn't had a defense this deep and this talented in a minute. He thinks they're going to be better on the offensive line. Like You, you just look at this team on paper, and they have all the makings to make a run at this thing, I need to see Drew Aller in a game. I don't doubt it. I just need to see it. If we're calling this nothing but ball pull, I want to see some ball from Drew Aller. All the ability in the world, have no doubts about him. I just need to see it. Now at number seven, we got Alabama. And what I was saying about Drew Aller is the exact same reason we have Bama at seven. And before you get upset with us about where we have Bama, we have Alabama in our college football playoff. We are extremely high on Alabama. But the reality is, they are 125th in returning production. And we don't know who's playing quarterback. I don't think that's outrageously important. I just want to see it on the field. 
I just want to see them week two against Texas and how we stack up. I understand the philosophy. I understand what it's going to look like on paper. I get all that. I'm very high on Alabama. I just want to see them in a game because the majority of these cats we haven't seen in a game. Again, they're 125th in returning production, meaning we haven't seen them that frequently. A lot of pieces. Top two classes is all that team is made of. Nick Saban's coaching. I love Alabama. I have them at seven. They will be much higher on this list should they handle business this week and next week. And this week, they play Middle Tennessee, so they'll be okay. At number six, we got LSU. They play Florida State this week. Now, if you watched our prediction show yesterday, that's always at 11 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we got ball on this very show live. You said, J.D., you picked LSU to beat Florida State. How do you have them at number six in Florida State somewhere else on this list? Well, the reason for that being, we saw what they did a season ago that first game of the year. It's hard for me to put them ahead of a team like Florida State when it was so close and Florida State has so much coming back and they lost that game last year. Now, I think LSU is going to beat them this year, so make sure that's out in the open. I love the way LSU's built. I think the early key for them this season is going to be able to create pressure. Maybe you dial it up a little bit more with Harold Perkins. When you get Mason Smith back, maybe you get a better push up front and get to the quarterback because this secondary is going to need, I think, a little bit of help and a sped up shot clock for whoever's playing quarterback against LSU would be a good way to handle that. Now, at number five, we have Florida State and they play LSU. Okay, so understand five and six at the very least will look different this time next week. But the reason why I'm so high on Florida State outside of the LSU game, man, just like the entire season, they're going to be really good. They're number one team in returning production from a team that was really good last year. Jordan Travis, back. Jared Verse, back. I mean, we could go down the list here. A lot a lot of pieces. Also, they made some pieces in, in the portal. Uh, got some great ads for pieces in the portal, I should say. And so all this to say with Florida State, if they're not in the mix in November, if they're not in the ACC title mix, if they're not in the college football playoff mix, it's not a matter of the roster. It means something went wrong internally. Maybe they didn't stay healthy. Maybe they took the eye off the ball. I don't know what it would be, but they have all the makings to be in the race here in November, regardless of what happens Sunday against LSU in Orlando. Now, number four, we got USC. And there's going to be some pushback here because of USC's defense. We already know what's going to be said. I would be slow to sell the stock on USC for a couple of reasons. They play Nevada this week, and that's a part of a five-game stretch where they have a runway to ramp up to what they're going to be when it comes time for meaningful football games. Most notably, the first game that'll be meaningful at Notre Dame, October 14th. So the defense, what it is right now, that's fine. Evaluate it as you want to. I would just be slow to define them from one game. From heck, these next three games, I would be very slow to make a definitive statement that USC's defense is going to be the same as last year. It may not be elite, but if it can be improved, you have an offensive juggernaut in Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, Zachariah Branch, was electricity in a bottle, they're going to be just fine. So I like USC a lot. Have them as the number four team in the country. At number three, Ohio State at Indiana. A lot of talk about the offense. We're going to talk about it later in the show. I think it's a Ferrari of a system. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best player in the country not named Caleb Williams or Drake May. I mean, you can have a conversation is what I'm trying to tell you. He's one, he's one of the best players in the country. He's a really freaking good playing receiver for them confidence that the quarterback situation will get figured out i think it's going to eventually get there but the defense 
is extremely slept on. Because that was the difference last year for them. A couple big plays against Georgia. You know, they, they had the, the busted coverage where Georgia hit a deep shot and that kind of put things in a tricky spot for Ohio State. And then the last drive where they weren't able to cover them up and A.D. Mitchell catches a touchdown to go ahead. If the defense is a little bit better, if the defense can kind of hold their water in big moments, I have all the confidence in the world that Ohio State is built to win a national title. Now, being built to win a national title and getting it done on the field is one thing. But I feel better about this team than last year's team, right now at least, because of the defensive personnel they have and going into year two under Jim Knowles. It's a hard defense to learn. It's a rule-breaking system. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but once they get it down, which you would expect they would have it more down going from year one to year two in the system, I think that's really going to pay dividends. So no shock here on these last two. We got Michigan as our second best team, and number two team rather, on the nothing but ball poll. And there's zero guessing with them. They play East Carolina this week. That's fine. You just know what you're getting with Michigan. Top five in returning production. J.J. McCarthy will be dealing. If the weapons around him can step up, you know, you've heard this all offseason long. The pass game this, the pass game that. Even if the pass game stays the same, they're going to be in the college football playoff hunt and in the Big Ten title hunt. Because they're so good up front. They're so good on defense. They have the best backfield in the country. Like, yes, if they want to win a national title, they probably need to get a little bit more in the pass game. But let's not act like Michigan is like a one-dimensional football team. And if we think they are, we should go look at the Ohio State tape because that should tell you all you need to know. Now, I think it's all about Michigan keeping the blinders on. Similar with what I said about Florida State, a lot of buzz around Michigan this year. A lot of buzz. And, and even compared to last year after they made the college football playoff, but, you know, but they lost... Aiden Hutchinson and and they maybe make a switch at quarterback and they lose a lot on defense like that was kind of what we were all saying this time last year about Michigan and then wouldn't you know it they just go and do the exact same thing they did a season ago except looked a little bit more impressive doing it in my opinion so for them I think it's about handling now a lot of people picking them to win the Big Ten whereas before it was still yeah that's great they did it one year but CJ Stroud's not going out like that and then of course Michigan did have him go out like that no shade to cj stroud now the best team in the country here for us the nothing but ball pull we got georgia they are in come and take it mode kirby smart after they win the national title in los angeles is i guess thanking the crowd or sort of firing up the crowd celebrating with the crowd and sticks out his fingers he goes one for one national title two for two national titles which he had just captured y'all he threw a third finger in there that is the mission for them and we've said it a couple times on this show. I want to say it one more time for all the people that are new and tuned in right now. For Georgia, I think a lot of their success will be based on how they handle that pressure from the outside. Because there's a difference between enjoying winning and, and having joy in getting a victory and then also having it be more of a exhale. More of a, okay, we won. We can, we can relax now a little bit. So glad we got through that stress. Curious to see the dynamic for Georgia early. Uh, keep an eye on the offensive side of things. And when I say keep an eye, I mean like let's be hesitant to define them early as well. They're going to have an acclimation period, I believe. I think it's also worth noting, though, everyone talks about this schedule being so easy and Georgia's just going to roll. I'm like, do we know that for sure? I mean, I, I feel the same way that they should run through the schedule. But I'm just saying, man, week three, you got South Carolina. SEC opponent. We're going to get a good gauge for South Carolina this week, but I'm just saying, 
Georgia on paper won't play any really meaningful games till November, but just just watch a couple of these games for Georgia. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them have to bow up a little bit before we get to November. So that's the top 10 for us to give you a quick review. We got Clemson at 10, Tennessee at 9, Penn State at 8, Bama at 7, LSU at 6, Florida State at 5. So there will be some movement there. Those two teams play each other this week. USC at 4, Ohio State at 3, Michigan at 2, and the Georgia Bulldogs currently atop the nothing but ball poll. You love to see it, man. Love to see it. So that'll be fun to watch with y'all as we get rolling here in the college football season and we get some movement. Again, not a projection, not a prediction, just kind of the way that we see things right now as we get rolling into the season. All right. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. As we always say, man, if you could just like the video and subscribe to the channel, that will be all we ask of y'all. Thank you so much in advance for doing that. All right. So Ohio State. Got themselves a quarterback for game one, at least. They got a starting quarterback for game one. And the headline read like, hey, Ohio State names a starter. Ohio State's got their guy. Quarterback one for Ohio State. And that's not untrue. But if we're acting like this is just going to be a done deal now going forward, like it's Kyle McCord's job and nothing else, I think we're playing ourselves a little bit there. This thing is not over. Kyle McCord is going to have to earn this job day in and day out. We'll talk about that more in a second. But Kyle McCord is the guy for game one. He is the starter for game one. Devin Brown's going to play. But with Kyle McCord being named the starter, Ryan Day cited consistency during fall camp, which I think is absolutely, you know, probably true. I think there's a, there's a real element to that. But also, you have to imagine experience played some kind of factor in this. Kyle McCord paid his dues. Kyle McCord waited behind C.J. Stroud when he could have gone somewhere else. Like, he's been around this operation a little bit. And this, to me, is Ryan Day saying, I have a Ferrari of an offense. I want to go with the most steady hands possible. We're going to go 80 down the freeway now, sometimes faster, with Marvin Harrison Jr. playing receiver, Emeka Egbuka, Trivian Henderson, Mayan Williams, like all that. I want to have steady hands on the wheel. That's not to say anything about Devin Brown. Devin Brown, according to the good people at Letterman Row, Ohio State's on three site, they said he had the better scrimmages in terms of like the exciting moments. Like Devin Brown, if you were cutting up highlights, he probably has more highlight plays based on what we're hearing from scrimmages than Kyle McCord. Now, unfortunately for Devin Brown, he still had more of those big mistakes that were occasional in nature, but still. We can't be crashing the Ferrari now. we got to keep that thing between the lines and full speed ahead because we have that kind of talent. That's the way Ohio State is built. So, Devin Brown will play in, in this football game at Indiana. And I love that Ryan Day is letting this thing go a little bit longer is how I'm viewing this. Yes, you named Kyle McCord the starter for game one. This derby is still ongoing. Like I was mentioning, the live bullets within a college football game for your quarterback position will not lie to you. Yes, it's at Indiana. No, it's not Michigan just yet. That's totally fine. There's a very big difference between doing whatever you were doing in practice in a non-contact jersey and then being asked to go do the exact same thing when you have 11 grown men across from you and your jersey is the same color as the rest of your teammates and getting hit in the mouth when you're looking down the barrel and you got your guy wide open on a seam route and the only way you get him the rock is stepping into it knowing you're going to get hit in the ribs and delivering a rope you can't you can't simulate in that practice you you can't get that moment in 11 on 11 during fall camp you get in the game though so for ryan day to be able to test these guys in that kind of setting and still evaluate these guys 
I think that's going to pay enormous dividends for Ohio State because the way we talk about Ohio State, they're built to win a national title. If they get the quarterback position right and they got two five stars, they're built to win a national title. If your schedule is what it is, and Ohio State's first couple of games are not necessarily the most daunting opponents, no disrespect to Indiana, you get to learn more about your quarterbacks. And more data is always going to be a thing that you should say yes to. If you can learn more about these guys, you should take that. Because it ensures then that your ultimate final decision, whoever is your quarterback for Ohio State, is the guy for your your football team going forward. Because when you look at what Ohio State has in front of them, it's not going to be a situation where they go with two quarterbacks the entirety of the season. Is what I want to make sure we're clear on here. You got two guys that can play, but I think they want to have one guy that can one, be the guy they build the offense around and say, hey, Devin Brown, week in and week out, what do you like? Hey, Kyle McCord, do you like this system going forward? Do you like this game plan going forward for what we have drawn up here for Penn State? Yes, no. Okay, well, then let's, let's tailor it to what you like. That's extremely important for your offense. And the other part, so you have a leader. So you have someone to follow. Because, I mean, having been in locker rooms with quarterback battles going on, it's a little bit divisive. Because everyone has some opinion on who the quarterback should be. And so you kind of ride with one guy and the other side of the locker room rides with the other guy. It doesn't have to be extremely divisive to a negative standpoint. But I mean, having one leader of the offense that everyone's on board with, that everyone trusts, that is clearly your leader. I think that helps your football team. I think it gives your football team better direction. Also, it gives you someone to look to when you're in the foxhole. Because if that wasn't your guy... If that, if that wasn't the guy that you wanted to play quarterback and the other guy is also getting reps and quarterback A throws the interception, but you were a fan of quarterback B, it's going to be really quickly easy for the guys that were fans of quarterback B to say, man, we got the wrong guy playing quarterback. Man, if, if he was in the game, if it was his drive, if it was his turn to play, that wouldn't be happening. You don't want that. You want one guy to follow, to rally around, to be your leader, to go win your football games. So I think you find out more about who that guy is from these games, obviously. Getting a little more of the, uh, the it factor out there in Columbus, which you need to be the quarterback at Ohio State. We've said it a few times. I'll say it again. You have to have the it factor. You have to be the guy to play quarterback at Ohio State. You don't have to have that everywhere, but at schools that are enormous brands, which, which you are going to be a very visible guy, not just on campus, but in the state. I'm talking like Georgia. I'm talking Bama. I'm talking Michigan you got to have the guy to play quarterback at Ohio State. So this will help them figure it out a little bit better. If you have any hesitation about who Ryan Day ends up going with here, if you have hesitation about him having Kyle McCord as the starter for game one, I would say there's two reasons why you can feel confident in Ryan Day. The first is his track record. Like Ryan Day has created a standard by who he's had his starting quarterback be in the past of you're going to be a first-round pick, you're going to be a Heisman finalist pretty much the unofficial official standard to be a quarterback at Ohio State by based on guys who have been a part of that operation recently okay so that's the first thing the other thing is when it comes to pressure around this situation there is nobody with more stake in the game than Ryan Day like Ryan Day is 0-2 against Michigan the last two years you don't think he feels some pressure to put the right guy on the field to get them back over that hump to get them back to achieving their standard he understands that and there's not hot seat pressure on him but there is pressure for them to get back to the standard that's set internally there and it's in that building it's from that fan base it's all over columbus 
So if you're unhappy with who Ryan Day is going with, I would say let's hold back a little bit. He knows what he's looking at. He's seen the best of the best come through there in Columbus. He understands what it takes to play quarterback there. And also the pressure that he's feeling is worlds greater than what anybody else is feeling. So if he's betting on somebody, he's betting the house on him. So Kyle McCord, the starter for game one at Indiana. Devin Brown will play. This thing, though, is very much so far from over in Columbus. It's going to be fun to watch, man. I'm excited to watch that one. I'm excited to see what they look like, especially in a road game. Like if it was in the shoe, yeah, you still get to see 11-11. You still get to see him get knocked around a little bit. How do they lead the team? But to go into a raucous environment in Bloomington, Indiana, I'll say this. This is their Super Bowl for Indiana. Like they are going to throw the kitchen sink at Ohio State. Ohio State should handle business, but... Indiana's going out swinging early, I would imagine. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked the video. We're glad to have y'all here. We're about to get into some question and answer from the live chat. So if you haven't yet, jump in the live chat. We're going to have Nick Brake jump on the show here in just a minute and break down some of y'all's thoughts, questions, concerns. Before we get to that, though, we sat down with Andy Staples, who is now at On3, one of the best in the entire industry and you got to pick his brain a little bit and talk about the misconceptions in college football. Because we go into the season, we all think we know what's going to happen. We all think we know, you know the narrative, and, and we all sort of repeat different lines about, well, Texas has to have this. Well, Alabama has to have their quarterback. Well, the Pac-12 is a weak conference. Like we, we have all these like unwritten statements that are put in bold in front of us. So Andy and I are like, hey, let, let's kind of unpack some of those, because I think some of those might be misconceptions. So... Without further ado, here's the conversation with Andy Staples about college football's great misconceptions for 2023. So Andy, the first time that we got to do a segment on this show together, one of our talking points was a misconception in college football around Texas. And we're not talking about Texas this very second per se, but I thought this was a great time heading into week one to uh, maybe unpack some things that feel like a narrative in college football that we can let the people know, hey, don't don't buy that. Don't believe that. That's that's a misconception. Lock in right here on what is true when it comes to college football. So uh, we're going to kind of go back and forth here and each give two. But I want to uh, tee you up to give your first misconception because I think it's I think it's a good one. I think it's one that people need to hear. Alabama does not need to know who their QB one, the starter for the whole year is by the Texas game. If they're still trying to work some stuff out, it's not the end of the world. And I, I, I know the thought is they're playing Middle Tennessee. So you can play Jalen Milrow, you can play either Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner, you can kind of figure it out, and whoever you start against Texas is the guy. And hopefully that's how it works out for them. Hopefully it's that that convenient and that buttoned up and somebody really just surges forward and takes the job. But if that doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. If you don't know by the end of the Texas game who your guy is, if you've had to play two guys in the Texas game, not the end of the world. Now, it might mean you don't win the Texas game, but again, that does not keep you from winning the SEC. It doesn't keep you from making the college football playoff. It doesn't keep you from competing for a national title. So I would say, more realistically, Alabama needs to know who that person is by the old Miss game. That's game hmm. four. So you've got Middle Tennessee. You've got the Texas game. Then you have that, that how did this game get scheduled game in Tampa against USF. Then Ole Miss. So... By the time Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa on September 23rd, you need to know who that guy is. I don't think you have to know when the Longhorns show up. 
there's a part of that too where you could play two guys in the Texas game like you were talking about and get the production you need to still win that game. I mean, if defense does their right. thing, Jalen Milrow goes for like 100 yards on the ground, let's say, and Ty Simpson's throwing the ball well, like there's definitely a two-quarterback system that could work for Alabama to still get done what they want to get done in that game. Yeah, our conventional wisdom is that this is going to be a more old-school type Alabama team where they do rely more on the defense. The scores are lower. Uh, they try to eat up a little more clock in the run game. There's no reason why you can't win that game playing two quarterbacks. Now, it's Texas is very good. They're very talented, and you saw them push Alabama to the absolute limit last year. If Texas is firing on all cylinders, you better have good quarterback play if you want to beat them. But if your defense is playing well, then yeah, you probably still have some room to experiment, and then you reevaluate. You play USF, a team you should definitely beat, and then you go into a stretch of SEC games that, that goes Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, you do need to know by that point because that's where things could get dicey because the, those game, all, the effects of playing teams like that are cumulative. That would just be such a wild storyline if we get into the Ole Miss game and we still don't know who's playing quarterback for Bama. But it would just be like college football for us to get a storyline like that. Andy, I want to go from one coast to the other. And I've kind of been beating this drum, really, I guess, since, since media days. We need to all go to our local grocery store. I know on the West Coast, they do major market and Albertsons. Uh, we got to stock up on all the caffeine we can because there's going to yes. be some really good football games played that are kicking off at 10 Eastern. Some people think the Pac-12 is like a, a weak conference just because you don't have teams consistently going to the college football playoff like you do the SEC and the Big Ten. But man, I mean, USC, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State. I mean, I haven't talked about Utah, who's won the conference the last two years. Like, you could sell me on any one of those five teams handling the Pac-12 and finding a way to at least maybe not Oregon State and, and you know, yeah, probably just Oregon State from that group. I want to buy as a college football Oregon State's contender. schedule is is the easiest of those. That's I mean that that's the thing. It's a reality. So, There's good football played on the West Coast, Andy. And yeah. I don't think people talk about it so, enough. <laughs> Let me let me throw you another one. UCLA can beat any of those teams you mentioned. Yep. Now, yep. is UCLA going to win the league? Probably not. Are they going to play a role in who does win the league? I think it's entirely possible. And, and that's why the Pac-12 is going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. And yeah, we're going to be up late, brew the coffee, get a whole pot going, because I don't know who it's going to be. If you told me the Pac-12 championship game is some combination of USC, uh, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Utah, or UCLA, I would not be shocked. If you told me that Arizona jumped up and, and bit one of those teams, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the most you know, competitively deep conference in the country this year. The Big 12 is still going to be pretty competitively deep as well in terms of how close you know, the number six is, team is to the number one team. But I just think it'd be so much fun. And there's so many good quarterbacks in that yes. league. If for no other reason, if you just want to watch a good quarterback play, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Caleb, like we could just go down the list here. Cam Rising when he's healthy, like absolute clinic in good quarterback play going on right around 10 Eastern uh, for a lot of the good folks on the Eastern time zone. Uh, Andy, what is your next misconception when it comes to what college football is going to be here this coming season? My next one is that the Michigan-Ohio State game is going to determine who wins the Big Ten again hmm. and who goes to the playoff out of the Big Ten. 
Penn State is going to have a say in all of this. I'm telling you right now, they get Michigan in State College. For some reason, they can't play very well in Ann Arbor, but they play Michigan very well in State College. They play Ohio State close everywhere. And there's a level of elite talent at Penn State that we have not seen there in the past few years. They, they have NFL dudes like Michigan has NFL, maybe not as many as Michigan right now because Michigan has a ton, but or like Ohio State has. So, you know, Olu Fashnu at left tackle, Chop Robinson and Abdul Carter rushing the passer. These are guys that, that Penn State has not had a lot of this. They've had some of this, but not all at once. And Drew Aller, we'll see if he's the missing piece, but he was a five-star quarterback, has a very high ceiling. The thought is he has a much higher ceiling than Sean Clifford ever did. Now he's got to prove that, but I, I really like the way this team is put together. And I look at Ohio State and I look at Michigan and I say, you know what? I don't know that there's that big of a gap between them and Penn State anymore. And the most outside shot, too, to add on to that point, like what's Wisconsin going to be? I, I know it's year mm -hmm. one and I know there's probably still like a, a acclimation period for them. But if you just get them in the door in Indianapolis against any three of those teams, potentially Ohio State playing them for a second time. I think that could get a uh, very, very fascinating because they, they got some dudes now. Tanner Mordecai playing quarterback for them. Luke Fickle knows how to win. Like he already, he's also had a little bit of a head start having coached in the bowl game, which I love that he was just like, no, I'm not watching him coaching this thing. Let's roll. Uh, Wisconsin and Penn State, I think, could factor in 1,000% into that whole conversation for who wins the Big Ten. Yeah, now Wisconsin's going to get past Iowa. I'll throw a bonus misconception in there. The, the bonus is we're going to be watching Iowa to see if Brian Ferentz loses his job. And that's, hmm. you know, they've got to average 25 points a game or contractually they can, they can ax him afterwards. I don't think that's going to be a problem for Iowa. I think the, the talent they brought in through the transfer portal, Cade McNamara at quarterback, but also an older, healthier offensive line than they had last year. They're going to be more functional on offense. I don't think 25 points a game is an average is going to be a problem. Maybe the defense isn't quite as dominant as it was, but it's still going to be really good. Phil Parker isn't, isn't losing his touch anytime soon. LeVar Woods, the special teams are going to be great. And so we talk about Wisconsin being the team opposite whoever it is in the Big Ten championship game, but Wisconsin's got to get past Iowa first. Yeah, I mean, the, the Big Ten's pretty deep, like team to team. There's a lot of teams, that I don't know, that, you know, past that top three of Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin maybe gets in the conversation, but you're, you're talking about those three the most to win the conference. Like any given week, there's a fair amount of teams that could ruin your bid at, at getting to Indianapolis. Last one I want to run by you here, Andy, kind of staying in that, in that conversation around the Big Ten and the college football playoff. I think there's a misconception that if we get two teams into the college football playoff, they have to come from the SEC or the Big Ten if it's coming from the same conference. I'm looking at the ACC, and I'm like, regardless of what Florida State does week one, we, we could see Florida State and Clemson run it back in the uh, ACC title game, and we could see both those teams make it in. I guess Florida State would have to take care of business week one there against uh, LSU, but I think, I think there's a path there for them both to find their way in the dance here. So the way that happens is Florida State winds up being obviously very good and beating LSU. They, they got to mm -hmm. beat LSU. They need LSU to be good, too. Like, they need LSU to go on and make a lot of noise in the SEC, perhaps win the SEC West again. Clemson needs to split with Florida State, obviously. They need Notre Dame to stay good, and they need to beat Notre Dame when Notre Dame comes to play them on November 4th. If, if Notre Dame is a 10-win is a or 11-win team, which – Look, with Sam Hartman, maybe they are. 
that win for Clemson would look very impressive. Now, they would all, it would also help Clemson a lot if South Carolina has a very good year in the SEC. Like if South Carolina is a nine-win team going into that game against Clemson and Clemson beats them, then that's going to look really good too, just as beating LSU would look great for Florida State. So that's the path to that happening. Do I see that happening? No, because it feels like too much has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I, there's, there's, it's not necessarily likely, but we talk about like the Big Ten and the SEC, like they're the only two teams that can get to, or the only conferences that can get two teams in. And to your point, I mean, if they beat an LSU and if Clemson beats Notre Dame and they beat a South Carolina, like there's some juice there on the schedule to where it's at least a conversation on Selection Sunday. Right. But regardless... This is why you play good out-of-conference games because if you win them, it gives you bonus points and it gives you room for error. Now that only gets more incentivized going forward. So hopefully that means more good out-of-conference games. We'll see if they actually do it. Well, I was going to say, regardless, it's phenomenal we actually get to start watching games. Like, the, the time for <laughs> projecting and misconceptions and all that, like, we're finally get to get to see it play itself out on the field. Beautiful thing. Oh, beautiful. It's about time. Awesome. Andy, thanks so much, man. We'll do this again real soon. Thanks, J.D. How about it? Andy Staples. If you haven't yet listened to his podcast or checked out his show right here on the On3 YouTube channel, would encourage you to do so. That's Andy Staples On3. Tons of great content there. Make sure you're locked and loaded. Going to keep you in the know for all things college football all season long. Between Andy Staples On3, the hard count, we got you covered. All right, so make sure you're locked in. Right now, though, we want to hear from y'all. So get in the chat, get active. We're about to bring on Nick Brake, the keeper of the queue, to answer some of y'all's thoughts, questions, concerns, maybe analyze some of your takes. Want to hear from y'all, so get after in the chat right now. Before we get to that, though, want to let y'all know that the hard count is brought to y'all by the good people over at Game Time. Now, I want to put y'all in a certain situation. Let's say you want to go to Florida State LSU. It's coming up this Sunday, Sunday night, and you're like, man, I would love to be at that game, but tickets, I just, I can't find tickets anywhere. I can't find them. And even if I could, I couldn't find them for a reasonable price. Well, here's the deal. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for not just one, but all the big time game events, including LSU Florida State, including that comedy show you want to go to, including that concert. I think Drake's on tour right now, so check that out. We're about to get college football season rolling. Make sure that you are able to get the last minute tickets with the best deals possible in the entire game. Florida State LSU, got you covered. Clemson Duke, got you covered. Any game you want, I promise you, there are tickets over at Game Time. So, Game Time is the place, like I said, for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. You can get tickets and deals on tickets right after the day of the event. Uh, they have exclusive flash deals on tickets, all sports, entertainment events, and the Game Time guarantee means, let's say you find a ticket that, that's pretty good price, but you find a ticket on another site that is in the same row, same section, virtually the same seat, for a better price game time, they're going to credit you 110% of the difference. So here's what we're going to do. Snag tickets without the stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We appreciate Game Time taking care of us. They're going to take care of you. So lock it in, redeem that code, get the app. It's college football season. Let's get after it. Like I was saying a second ago, want to hear from y'all. We can't call ourselves the People's College Football Show if we don't involve the people into the college football show. We, us, ours is a saying I like to 
echo around here. Kind of a unity thing, a team thing, a program thing. You get the picture. So to break it all down, bring it on now. The keeper of the queue, the heavy lifter extraordinaire producer of this show, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, baby? JD, man, for the last like two, three weeks, every time you mention Twitter, you're like, I'm not calling it X. I'm going to call it. I know. And we're changing it to as of today. We're going to officially, it's the last time you'll see that Twitter logo yep. on yep. the show. Visually, it'll change. <laughs> we'll see if, we'll see if I call it something besides Twitter. That old yeah. habits die hard, yeah. man. Old yeah. habits die hard. Oh, they it, do is, die it is hard, what man. it is. I'll yeah. tell you an old habit. Rocky Top Tom getting into the live chat. Always appreciate it. Today asked Tennessee plays in the swamp in week three, host Carolina, and then A and M weeks five and six, or excuse me, Carolina and then A and M in five and six. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to Tuscaloosa and Kentucky in seven and eight. Kentucky has a bye while playing Bama. What are your thoughts? I, what do you make of that question? I, I think I think he's asking which one scares us. Okay, and I, I think you. I think there if that's go. the if that's the path, I said it before on here. Like I think Kentucky's dangerous, man. I think Florida will be a game that's early enough in the year where they have Tennessee's undivided attention. There's all this talk about not winning the Swamp in like 20 years and Joe Milton saying he doesn't lose in Florida. That game, electricity-wise, will be through the roof. But I don't think that's a, that's a situation where Tennessee just kind of overlooks and, and drops that game. It could happen. We'll see what Florida looks like tomorrow night. Heck, but <clears throat> with that being said, Kentucky's the one that I've had circled for Tennessee for a while. And they haven't lost to Kentucky really in a minute. But at the exact same time, I think they are a much better Kentucky team than got rolled up on against Tennessee last year. I think they're better at quarterback, better on the offensive line. I'm not calling it, you know, right now they're going to lose to Kentucky or anything like that at this point in time. I'm not predicting that game right now. But that's the game that would make me the most uncomfortable from a Tennessee Vol fan, just based on the way they're, they're structured. Yeah. Kentucky, man. Devin Leary, it's going to be a good game. Uh, Rocky yeah. Top Tom, as always, glad to get him in the chat. And JD, you can read his mind, I guess, because you you really got that question. You I, know, you you get in the live chat enough, we start to kind of get synced <laughs> up. I think. Oh yeah. You oh, know, yeah. so good for Rocky Top Tom. Well, Already in midseason form by week one. Yeah, speaking of midseason form, um, Reed Shannon, this is a very midseason form question because it's fantastic. JD, in your opinion, what are the top three most intimidating stadiums to play in? I love that question, JD. That is a good question, man. Midseason form for sure. Most intimidating places to play. I mean, just off the top of my head, without having been to all of these, uh, I think Florida has to be up there. I mean, the swamp itself, the humidity, the way they show up in numbers, like the swamp has to be on there. I would also say uh, Penn State, especially in the wideout, like regardless of who you root for, you hear people talk about experiencing the Penn State wideout like a college football bucket list. And so to be on the field for a game like that, Sounds like it's just absolutely nuts. Now, you hear a lot of people also across the SEC say Neyland is the toughest place to play or the most electric atmosphere to play in. Nick, I think we'll get to experience that this year, so I can't wait. Uh, But that's one that I I think maybe was, uh, I don't know, I I don't think it was really on my radar until really last year. So Checker, Neyland, and the way that they love their Vols, man, I think that's probably one of the most intimidating places as well so not an exhaustive list again we're going off the dome here there's others that you could include there i mean virginia tech when they're rolling enter sandman if they're into it that could be a thing as well so not a aughts into so there's a lot of different atmospheres we could talk about but i'm going to go with those three for the time being but hopefully we get to experience a fair amount of those nick and uh get our own uh get our own data to draw from yeah absolutely 
Um, JD, we got one more question we're going to be able to have time to get to, but shout out to everyone else who asked one. Come tomorrow, ask again. Shout out to AAA, asked a question about the old Roadrunners at UTSA. JD, you know my alma mater, Western Kentucky, has nightmares thinking about UTSA. Um, we're not going to get to any of those, though. We are going to get to Jake because uh, he got his question in first. Jake Hewlett asked, JD, uh, what is your superstitious game day fan ritual? I don't let wow. the color red touch me before the game. Um, and says go blue, so that's a Michigan fan not letting the, the color red I touch I like you. it. So what about you, JD? I like it a lot. This is like textbook college football fanhood right here. It, it's a good week one question, right? It's a great week one question because week zero, we're kind of like getting ready to roll and we're sort of figuring out, okay, what are we going to do this college football season? Week one, though, it's like, hey, dress rehearsal, if your team didn't play, is over. We got real ball to talk about, real ball to get into. Not that week zero wasn't real ball, just not everybody was playing. So... Yeah, let's, let's break this down a little bit. I think I have more traditions than rituals. I don't think I'm really a superstitious person. Maybe a little stitious, to quote Michael Scott. <laughs> but my tradition, and we talked about it on last week's live show. Like for me, college football Saturday starts in the Chick-fil-A drive through line. For as long as I can remember, ever since I stopped playing, and when you're playing, obviously, like you're getting up, you're going to team breakfast and all that. But ever since I stopped playing, it was get in the car, early be in the breakfast line early for chick-fil-a and you can go a lot of different ways chick-fil-a i go the spicy chicken burrito i would i would encourage you to go with that way vanilla iced coffee we're off to the races i don't even drink coffee nick but on game day vanilla iced coffee is the way to go and when we have that and we're in front of our television screen and i got kirk herbstreit and lee corso and reese davis when that reese davis monologue the first one of the season when that hits nick it's gonna be a beautiful thing i might shed a tear I think I, I don't think I'll be the only grown man shedding a tear with that first Reese Davis monologue hitting the airwaves over hundreds of screaming college students. So all that's to say, that's my ritual. But let me know in the comment section. Let me know in the chat uh, what y'all's are, because that's a great question there by our guy. Also, if you want to get more questions in, again, live show tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, we're on the air. But if you also want to get at me on Friday, we have a question and answer thing we do on my Instagram page. It doesn't go to air on here. We answer it in video format on my story. So follow me there at JD Paquel, and we'll get to your questions there as well. So a lot of ways to uh, to interact there. But Nick, how about that, man? I appreciate you holding it down today in the queue. I, absolutely, man. We'll see you all tomorrow. Tomorrow it is. Again, Nick, break, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky. Chasing 700 as he gets uh, the next phase of his kickball season started here pretty soon. And I'm telling you, man, talking about someone who is uh, just charged up with the it factor. You haven't seen the it factor still until you've seen Nick break. Go to plate with a kickball. We're glad to have y'all here, man. We're glad that y'all have been a part of this show. You got a lot of options, got a lot of things going on. We're glad you made time to be here to talk some college football. Again, follow me on the socials on Twitter, X, at Jody Paquel, and on Instagram, at that exact same handle. We're back on the air tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm Jody Pacquel. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.